This morning's scripture reading comes from John, chapter 16, verses 5 through 16. Now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the setting. The disciples are listening to Jesus talk. And he says to them on one occasion before this passage, he says to them, I'm going away. Now it sounds like a contradiction what I'm about to say, but not really. Hang on. Peter says to Jesus, you're going away? I've got a question for you. Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says to him, where I'm going, you cannot follow now. But you will follow later. Peter says, Lord, why can't I go now? I mean, Lord, I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus says to him, will you really lay down your life for me, Peter? I'll tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. You're really laying down your life for me? The way John writes his gospel, the very next words are these. Oh, but let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there's many rooms, and if it wasn't so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again to receive you unto myself. Stop the worrying. You know, it's no wonder that by the time we get to the next conversation, Jesus says, nobody's asking me where I'm going. Don't you think that would have sort of shut you down? I mean, honestly. When you ask where Jesus was going the first time, and then he says you can't go there, and then he says you don't have the ability to go there, and then he says you're going to deny me three times, I think I would have stopped asking the question too. I don't mean to be 
harsh or sacrilegious. Far be it from me to be that way. But hey, if you were the disciples, you would be afraid and confused. And most of what Jesus had just told you wouldn't have made a lot of sense. At least that's how I think I would have been. So Jesus encourages them with these thoughts that you just heard read from John's Gospel, chapter 16. And he also talks about some of those same thoughts in in chapter 14. And the question that Peter asked was back in chapter 13. So now Jesus is talking to them and he says, I want you to know something, I'm going away, but not to worry. Not to worry? The one teacher who had spoke about God like no one else has is about to leave. They still didn't understand everything he said, and he's about ready to leave. The one who produced more miracles on this earth than any other person, one after another, so many they could hardly count, is about to leave. They're saying to themselves, can I even remember his teachings? And surely, I can't do the miracles he's going to do. The teacher, the miracle worker, the person who raised folks from the dead, that person is now telling them he's going to die. The world's just turned upside down in their minds. They can't figure this all out. And Jesus says to them in this same passage in these 14 and 15 and 16 chapters. He says to them, oh, by the way, I want to tell you something. It's a really good idea that I'm going away. It's better for you this way. Now, if you're not already confused, you're not listening. And then Jesus says, but here's why I don't want you to worry. Because I'm going to send the counselor the guide. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in my absence. Don't be troubled. It's going to be okay. Because here's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And he tells this story in chapter 14 and in chapter 16. And he says, first I want to tell you this. The Holy Spirit is going to come And most people are not going to understand him. As a matter of fact, he's going to speak. And he's going to enlighten people. But most people won't get it. Let me put it a different way. Jesus is basically saying this. You're going to walk through life after I'm gone. And you're going to look at the circumstances of your life. And you're going to see history. And you're going to be seeing it with a different set of lenses. And nobody else is going to see what you see. Because the Spirit doesn't dwell in them. So people are going to be confused by your vision. They're going to be troubled by what you see that no one else can see. You have a different view of the same events. But don't be troubled. Because the Spirit's going to give it to you. Second thing he says... That was in verses 16 through 17 of chapter 14, by the way. Second thing he says in verses 18 through 19 is this. 
the Spirit is going to be present with you. As you already saw, they had great fear that Jesus was leaving their presence. And Jesus said, no, when I leave your presence, I'm sending the Spirit to be with you. It's as though I am with you. And furthermore, as we know from the day of Pentecost and beyond, it now means that the Spirit of Jesus in the Holy Spirit is present with all believers all around the world, simultaneously doing His work all around the world. No wonder Jesus said, it's going to be better if I go. I'm going to send the Spirit, and He's always going to be with you. That's why Jesus said, you're not going to be orphans. Isn't that a wonderful image? Because <laughs> that's exactly what they were about to feel like. The person that they felt like was their parent in the faith and was their parent in the faith was going to be completely absent. And they were going to be wandering the streets by themselves as children of faith without a father. And Jesus said, don't worry. You're not going to be orphans because I'm sending you the Spirit. Third thing Jesus says about the Spirit he said, the Spirit is going to come, and He's going to remind you of all the things I've taught you. They're worried that they're going to forget. They're worried that they're not really going to understand. And Jesus says, don't worry about that. I'm going to send the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to enlighten your hearts and your minds. You'll be able to understand. You'll be able to remember. What He didn't say, but what we now know, is you'll be able to write. Because of my Spirit... You'll be able to record the events of my life, the teachings of my life, for everyone who wishes to know. God breathes Scripture. I'm going to remind you of the words, says Jesus, and furthermore, when the Spirit comes, He's going to convict the world of sin. You noticed, didn't you? Surely He didn't say, you're going to convict the world of sin. He didn't say, you need to stand up and shout and yell and condemn so that the world can know about sin. Jesus said, the Spirit is going to do His work to convict the world of sin. He might as, might as well have said, He's going to do the work to convict the world of sin the way He convicted your hearts of sin. The Spirit's going to do that. That's His job. In a way, He's saying, set back and rest. The Spirit's going to do the work. The Spirit is also, he said, going to guide you into all truth. This comes in chapter 16. He's going to illuminate for you what the meaning of his words is. And another thing Jesus says in these passages is that the Spirit is not going to speak about himself. He's going to speak about me. The Spirit, who is invisible and gentle and soft is always going to speak about me and point to me, never to himself. That's what Jesus says about the Spirit in 14, 15, and 16 of John. You know what Paul in other epistles says about the Spirit? He says this, the Spirit gives us personal assurance concerning who we are, our identity. Listen to these words, Romans 8, 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
this mysterious, invisible spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaks to your heart to assure you that you're a child of God. The Spirit, says Paul, is also a seal for your redemption. These words in Ephesians 1, 13, 14, In Him you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. You know what a seal is. In the ancient times, if a letter was about to be sent, and it was sent especially from an important figure, a wax seal was put over the letter that was folded and stamped and sealed. Everybody knew it was from the governor, the emperor, whoever it was from. And the seal was broken, and the contents were for you because it was delivered to you with a seal. Jesus said the Spirit is going to seal your redemption. He's going to authenticate your redemption. But not only that, this is going to be a down payment, Paul says, for your inheritance. When the Spirit ministers to you as a child of God, He speaks concerning a reality that is yet to come, a complete redemption that you haven't yet experienced. And the Spirit, says Paul, I love this one. The Spirit, says Paul, helps us in our weakness. He puts it this way, powerful words. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't even know what to pray. We're under the weight of this thing called sin and the world. And sometimes we don't even know how to utter the words on behalf of ourselves, or on behalf of others or on behalf of our world. We're so weighed down by this. And Jesus says, through the Spirit to Paul, this is what the Spirit's going to do. When you get to that place that you don't even have words, all you have is groans. The Spirit is going to speak through it. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. Uh, have you been there? <laughs> I know some of you have. You've gone through serious crisis, such as you didn't even know how to pray or what to say. And the Spirit intercedes in your groanings, with groanings like yours. The Spirit also does something else. The Spirit produces fruit in our life. That's Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, meekness, self-control, kindness. That fruit is produced in your life by the Spirit. Not by you, but by the Spirit. And the Spirit is given to us, all of us, gifts. You know what the most important thing is about the gifts? They are given to you for the purpose of blessing others. They're not for you to say, be self-satisfied. They're not for you to be pretentious. They're not for you to show people what you've got. They are for you so that you can edify or bless others. That's what the gifts are for.
That's the singular most important thing to know about the gifts of the Spirit. They're given to you for others. Now, I just have a flurry of things to conclude with concerning the Spirit in our life. And it's these. They're right there, right there in front of you. <laughs> Want to write them down? Maybe you'd like to. Here's the first word of admonition. Let's stop living like orphans. What, what do I mean by that? Well, sometimes we live like people we're not. We actually live like God is way out there and gone and far from us. We live like people who've been deserted on this earth to walk alone. But it's not the reality, says Jesus. You're not orphans. I'm walking with you as if I were with you step by step in my body through the Spirit. You're not orphans. Let's remember it and live like it. Second, the Spirit is working in you, even if you don't recognize it. Even if you don't recognize it. If you love Jesus Christ, you're filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit is doing things through you. You say, well, I'm not a very good evangelist. I'm not a very good this or that or the other. It doesn't make any difference what you're good at. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Spirit is doing things through you. Believe it. I promise you it's true. You're not going to know all the things that the Spirit's doing through you. And it's a good thing we don't because we get a big head. But the Spirit is working through you because the Spirit is in you. The third thing, we witness, but the Spirit convinces. You know, there's lots of ways to witness. It could be a quiet witness. It could almost be a wordless witness. Or it could be a very vocal witness. But no matter what the witness is, it's not us who do the convincing. It's the Spirit who does the convincing. Last night I was at a, a gala uh, for a crew. It's sometimes called Campus Crusade over at IU, and um, I offered the, the opening prayer and, and uh, stayed there and listened to the speakers. And I, I don't mean this to be an insult, and I know people will understand me, but one of the best parts of it for me, uh, in the second year I've been there for this, is, is listening to the testimonies of people who have been witnesses for Christ. And what has happened because of their witness. Some of them are present. Some of them are on a screen. One young woman was in South America. And as I listened to the stories, you know what, what, what struck me? Again, no insult intended. I think you'll understand. They were very unremarkable people. What I mean is they were ordinary. But somewhere along the way, those ordinary folks realized that part of their existence on this earth was to witness for Jesus. And with whatever stammering they had in their personality, in their words, in their inadequacies, it didn't matter. They just put it aside and they said, I've been called to witness for Jesus, so I'm going to. 
And remarkable things happen because they witnessed for Jesus. And you know what? None of those remarkable things had anything to do with them. Nothing. They would tell you that. All I did was bore witness. And God did the work to convince. And that convincing reproduces itself over and over again all over the world. Not because we did it, the convincing, but because we were a witness. I would imagine most of you don't even know off the top of your heads what the four spiritual laws are. That's okay. I would imagine there's a bunch of you here today who say, I'm not an evangelist. That's okay. I would imagine there's a whole bunch of people here who say, I'm thoroughly inadequate to be a witness. That's okay. Maybe that's what you need. Because now you're ready. And if your heart wants to witness for Christ, it's going to find ways. And God will do the rest. Because the Spirit is active to convince people. Number five. Um, wait a minute. Number four. <laughs> the Spirit gives us uh, eyes of faith. And it's okay to pray for those eyes of faith. The Spirit opens our eyes to see the way in which He's working in our life and in the world. And there's occasions where you just need to say to the Lord, Lord, i got to have a little help here. Can you just give me a little glimmer of how you're working to encourage me? Maybe in my life personally, maybe in the life of my family, my friends, maybe in the life of the world, it's okay to ask that. God wants to open our eyes to see his work. There's yet another point up there. As you can see, the Spirit provides guidance um, when we're confused. That's, that's the role of the Spirit. We get confused a lot, don't we? I mean, even with our best efforts to follow Christ, we get confused. And there, too, we can pray for the Spirit's guidance, and, and He'll give it to us. Um, one of the things that I delight in, probably as much as anything else in the world, even more in preaching or anything like that, is um, when my kids call me for advice. I do. <laughs> I just love it. They're gone. They're grown. they got their own careers. And I don't hardly have anything to say about their careers because I don't know what in the world they're doing. I mean, I kind of do, but I couldn't tell them how to do things in their careers. But still, they call me. And they want to talk, and they ask for advice. And it makes me feel so great that they do. You know, they used to think I was the smartest guy in the world, and then they grew up, and they realized I wasn't. But they still call. Why? I think because they realize I'm a little older, and I probably have a little bit more wisdom just because of experience. But you know the real reason why they call, right? I'm their father. And I love them more than they or I could ever express. And I would be ready in a second's notice to lay down my life for them. And when they call and ask for advice, I am digging through every reservoir of my being 
to try to give them the best advice I can because I don't want to do anything to harm them. And I love it when they call. You see the analogy, right? I don't have to make it. You've got a heavenly father that loves you more than you will ever know. You've got a Lord Jesus Christ who laid down his life for you and you have the Spirit of God within you. And you can call anytime about anything and he listens and he counsels because that's what the Spirit of God does. And you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to walk he wants you to dance, and he wants you to run in the Spirit. There's a wonderful story about Peter in the book of Acts when he finally learned what this was all about. He, Peter, and John went to the place of prayer on one day, and uh, there was this guy there who was a beggar, and he couldn't walk. And he was begging for coins, and Peter and John said to him, we don't have anything, no silver, no gold, Left the credit cards at home. Got nothing. But what I've got, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I think it was one of those moments where the disciples remember Jesus' words. <laughs> You're going to be able to do this in my name. And the guy rose up and walked. And you know what he did? He didn't just stand up and say, whoa, this is great. He started running and leaping and jumping and shouting. Because the Spirit of God stepped down and touched him. What does the Spirit of God want us to do? As believers in Christ Jesus, he wants us to do all those things and then he wants us to walk and to dance and to run in the Spirit because we've been selected and chosen to be children of God. And we're not orphans. We're on our way home. And it's going to be great. So enjoy this present world as we wait for the one to come. Let's pray. Lord, you have been gracious to us by sending the Spirit. Um, you didn't just send us teachings. You sent us Jesus, uh, who walked right into our world and uh, experienced all our life and, and then died on the cross and was raised again for our salvation. And for the redemption of all things, because you're going to make it through your body, new again, all of it, this whole world. It'll be better than paradise restored. It will be a new heaven and a new earth because of the power of your resurrection. And in the meantime, Lord, you remind us that we're not orphans, and sometimes we act like it. We act like we're on our own. We act like we're wandering the street. But we don't need to because you're with us. Every step of the way, we, we never walk alone, Lord, never. Because your Spirit is with us. So we pray, Lord, that you will uh, give us insight as orphans to recognize your work around us, that you'll help us to be witnesses in our own unique way and remind us that you're the one who seals the deal and that you'll open our eyes of faith so that we can see 
new things because of you. You'll guide us, Lord, when we're troubled and confused. And then, Lord, we pray you'll help us to live a life of unbelievable joy. Walking, dancing, and running in the Spirit. Not as orphans, but as dearly beloved, adopted children of God. These things we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.